Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies and resources for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. My guest today is Vikas Garg, the founder and CEO of A Billion, a sustainability platform for plant-based dishes and cruelty-free products. Four years ago, Vikas left his high-flying career at one of the world's top hedge funds after he found a new mission to help and inspire a billion people to go vegan in the next 10 years. I'm smiling. You can tell that I love this mission. That's why I've got a big smile on my face when I, every time I, I see this. Based in Singapore, Vikas is dedicated to grassroots education and conser- conservation initiatives around the world. A billion currently has more than 300,000 active monthly users, and the app has been downloaded almost 1 million times. And through its giving program, the business has donated over $500,000 to impactful causes and is aiming to donate more than a million dollars by the end of 2021. Welcome to the show, Vikas. Thank you, Katrina. It's a real pleasure to be here. I appreciate you having me on your show. Oh, absolutely. I've been following your uh, journey uh, with A Billion from when you very first started it four years ago. And I'm just so excited to see the growth that you've had, because what what a fantastic mission, you know, a billion people uh, vegan in the next 10 years. I love that it's bold. It's one of those, I think we call them big, hairy, audacious goals. And I love that, that you've got that. Um, So let's kick off with, tell me about the why. So why did you start A Billion? Um, How did you come up with the idea for, for it and how it works. So just give us a little bit of a helicopter ride over the why and the how. Yeah, sure. So just a little bit about myself. Uh, you know, I grew up uh, born and raised actually vegetarian. Uh, and for me, I, I actually started my life in India and then moved to the States, uh, to New York City when I was about four years old. Uh, so growing up in New York City, I think the if you look at like sort of my vegetarian food pyramid, basically I grew up, you know, with that food pyramid being a slice of pizza. <laughs> and that was that was okay, you know. I mean, That's it was, a good food group. <laughs> it was the yeah, it was the 1980s, and dairy was everywhere. And I think that was probably one of the big things moving from India to the U.S. is we didn't realize just how much dairy became a big part of our lives, and didn't really think about it. Right, it's just really easily accessible. So, grew up vegetarian. Uh, actually, I think to this day, I've never knowingly eaten meat, uh, which is awesome. Um, but back in 2008, I finally made the decision that I wanted to, you know, actually make this leap and become vegan. I had been part of the animal rights movement and I'd been an activist throughout my career. Uh, and my passion for animals was always like a really big part of my life. Um, but I finally decided to take this leap, go vegan. And that really changed my perspective. I I went from sort of having figured it out, like, okay, here, I can go pretty much anywhere in the world and find something vegetarian. You know, I could, I could always go to an Italian restaurant and get some pasta, get some pizza, um, to being very, very limited, felt very limiting in the beginning. And, you know, often I I was traveling around the world a lot, uh, during this time and, you know, in the years leading up to creating a billion. And what I found is when I'd go to Japan or I'd go to London or I'd go anywhere in the States, 
you know, it's so funny that like everybody would take me to an Indian restaurant or, you know, send me to a place to get a falafel. And I just felt like there was something better that if I could help remove this friction for myself, you know, food would be really enjoyable. And that this decision that I made, which was this extremely inspiring decision for my life, shouldn't feel like a compromise or a sacrifice. I always wanted it to feel like simply the best way to live. Um, so finally in 2017, I kind of, I was here already in Singapore. I had been here for a couple of years uh, and I felt like, wow, let's create that. Let's create a platform um, to really remove some of that friction and take the idea of being vegan or being plant-based and take it from feeling like a sacrifice or compromise or something where it feels very daunting in terms of knowing where to go, what to, how to find things. And let's change that. Let's create access. Let's work with businesses around the world and let's use technology as a lever for this kind of transformation in a very, very, very big way. That's wonderful. So tell us how it works, because there are a lot of apps, you know, there's Happy Cow and, you know, some other apps that kind of list restaurants and everything and, and do that. But a billion is really quite unique. You've got a kind of a giving aspect to it. So tell us what it is and how it works. Sure. So I mean, first and foremost, a billion is an app that you can download. You can go to the Apple App Store. If you have an Android, you can go to Google Play and, and hit the download button. Uh, from there, what it is, is it's uh, it's a very powerful search engine and there's a map and basically it's a user generated content platform. So we don't actually create any of the content that goes on a billion. That's actually driven and created by the community of people around the world that have signed up and who have posted content. So it feels a little bit like the same user experience that you find on other social media platforms. It's very visual. Um, it's, you know, you would think that it's a restaurant review platform because we help people find food, let's say at restaurants, but it's a lot more than that. It's actually not even a restaurant review platform, but when we're talking about food at restaurants, it's all about the dishes. We know, you know, both of us being vegan, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you're often pretty lucky if there's one vegan option there for you. So we said, Hey, the rest of the menu doesn't really matter so much. Let's focus in on those options, the one option, two options and put those all on a map anywhere in the world. So now we've gotten people around the world to contribute those sort of vegan dish options, take photos of them, talk about them, rate them in more than 150 countries. Um, so that's been really exciting. We have more than 52,000 restaurants on our platform. The other side of this is all of the other things that you do and buy in your day-to-day -day lives Hang on, be because, because before you before you go on about that, but with the reviews, there's also the giving side. So every yeah. time someone leaves a review, like you take a photo of the, the menu, you leave your review, you yeah. then donate a dollar either to the is it to the person or to the one of the causes that are listed? Is that because yeah, right? so, that's what's really special about it? Yeah, that no, that is really special. And it was for me, it was a way to take us city folk and help us really help sort of show what the impact of this small little choice. Like you're gonna go out to lunch today and you're gonna go and eat something. If you make it vegan, right? It may not be so clear to you what that impact is in the world, right? And so we've partnered up with almost 80 of the world's, you know, whether they're leading sort of nonprofits like Sea Shepherd, big, big conservation groups, groups that are educating children or feeding hungry children in places like Africa, uh, to water conservation groups, to very local sort of grassroots farm animal sanctuaries in, in the Midwest, 
Um, and we've partnered with all of these groups around the world. There's about 80 of them. And what we'll do is we'll actually take our money, our company's money, and we'll put it to work. So it's that simple. If you want to help animals, you want to save animal lives, you want to help you know, drive rescue and rehabilitation work, and you want to help activists around the world, or you want to actually even just feed children, all it takes is you choose vegan. So we felt like, for me, I felt like, how do I create this connection between this small act of choosing vegan and the impact that it has? And so people love that, you know, and I think that's been a huge inspiration for a lot of the, the not only the vegans on our platform, but 65% of our audience, 65% of our users are actually not vegan. They're, they're people who are just there because they've maybe, you know, they've been, there's been a thought triggered, there's been some awareness triggered, and now they're trying to figure out, okay, what's next? So they're the meat eaters who are looking to, in a way, eat more vegan food. And so this actually helps them quite a lot in terms of bridging that gap and helping them understand mm. what the real impact of that choice is in society and for the world. Fantastic. Wow. Wow. I love that. So you've also got, I believe, a Save the Restaurants initiative. So just very briefly, yeah. as I understand it, it's something that you implemented to help particularly restaurants in the US through 2020 with the whole COVID situation. Do you want to just very briefly tell us about that? Because then we're going to do a deep dive into the business side of a billion. Yeah, sure. And and just, you know, before I get to that, it's also just we were talking about like all the products in your lifestyle. So it's not just food at restaurants, but it's all the food, all of the new novel foods that are coming out, packaged foods around the world will help you. We'll show you where you can buy those things, um, information that people are creating on those. And then it's across beauty. It's across fashion. So it's really about everything that you can spend money on as a consumer how to choose more ethically, choose more sustainably, and choose better for people and animals in the planet. Um, so on the Save Restaurant, Save Vegan Restaurants campaign, this is a really great campaign that we actually launched earlier this year, back in April. We found, what was really interesting is in the US last year, we found that a lot of the restaurants that people were, you know, earlier on in the year in, in 2019 and 2020 posting about, we just saw a huge dip. Um, in, in those restaurants actually getting more reviews. And so we started reaching out to a lot of these businesses through surveys, just saying, hey, what's going on? And they said, hey, you know, like actually our businesses have been impacted. We're in Los Angeles and our restaurants been closed for months. Um, or, you know, we've just, we've seen a huge collapse in our business. So of course, like vegan restaurants are kind of front and center in this, in this I would say sort of, you know, the, the, this, this fight to make the world a lot more sustainable. There are places that we all love and we've come yeah. to sort of, you know, gravitate around. And, and uh, for many people, it, you know, they're very, very, they're driven, they're, they're run by very, very inspiring people in the community. So it was very important for us from a giving perspective that not only do we bring in sort of the animal sanctuaries, but how do we sort of tell the stories of the people that are impacted, right? By this, by COVID and by, by what, what happened in the world last year and continues to happen this year. So we took some of the capital that we would otherwise just donate and to save animals and say, hey, let's actually create a fund. Let's create a million dollar fund to help save vegan restaurants around the U. We started with restaurants around the U.S. So if you're a vegan restaurant, you can sign up to our platform. Uh, it's completely free. And you, all you need to do is get your customers to sort of rate those options, right? And every single time they rate an option at your restaurant or any other restaurant, they can actually allocate their donation proceeds to help your business. 
Love it. Wonderful. I love it. You're coming up with such unique initiatives. I really love this. It's absolutely brilliant. Now, it's obviously a very big risk to leave. I mean, you've got a strong background in finance. You were working, as we said, at one of the world's top hedge funds before that. I think you were at Credit Suisse, vice president. You know what I mean? You've got a very strong, solid corporate background, presumably very well paid and so on. Um, And you've left to start a tech platform, a vegan kind of tech platform. Um, Startup, yep. Yeah. Um, so what were some of the challenges? Tell us, talk us through some of the challenges and struggles that you've had with this, because I know, you know, certainly with, um, well, we'll talk about the, the finance, but I know like that, you know, tech can be very money hungry, you know, tech platforms, yeah. apps can be very, yeah. you know, money sucking yeah. um, or, you know, things. So tell us a bit about some of the challenges and how you've o- overcome them over the years. Yeah, so the first challenge is I, I, I in a way, I, I grew up in an environment like in, in terms of my my career, my professional career, was always working at really big companies uh, or very successful companies, where you constantly had this, you know, open door in terms of of, of amazing people coming in, wanting to work there. You know, candidates from the biggest, the top universities, or from other from your competitors, and you know, people were attracted to the brand name on the wall, right? Uh, and they wanted that on their resume. And, you know, you always had this kind of inflow, constant inflow of talent. You didn't have to look too far for talent. When you start a company, and especially for me, I had moved to Singapore about, it's been seven, almost seven years since I moved to Singapore. And when I moved here, I basically didn't know anybody. Um, and what I was doing, I, was, I moved here from California. I was in Northern California and um, moved here um, to join sort of, you know, one of the largest hedge funds in the region. So that was another very well-run and well-known organization. If you're in that business, if you're in finance and in trading, that was one of the sort of marquee businesses you wanted to work for in the region. So sort of the same thing. But then when I decided I wanted to move into tech and build this company, not only was I moving into a new industry, but a new industry in a city and a country that I barely still knew, where I didn't know anybody in tech. And I had no reputation in tech, right? So that was, in a way, that was a unique challenge that I, I can tell you, like, I didn't plan for that. I didn't, I didn't think that part really through. And so the thing that I actually did was I, I realized early on that it would be very challenging for me and very costly and probably I'd make a lot of mistakes if I just went and I tried to hire some senior season CTO or somebody. I wouldn't even know the first thing about asking them the right questions to get them, you know, to understand whether this person is going to be good at their job or not, right? And let alone even trying to have that conversation with them or convincing them. So I enrolled myself in a coding boot camp. And for wow. the, you know, I went from literally, you know, I went from being very, very good in an industry that I knew for almost 20 years, um, that I've been working in since I was a teenager, um, to literally sitting in a room full of people who were trying to become sort of crack their way into programming as entry-level programmers at companies. Um, I was in a room full of 25 people. I was the oldest person in the room. Um, Yeah, I was the only person in the room that had some gray hair. And I was the worst. (laughs) And being the oldest person in the room, and in a way, probably the person, you know, the the, the person in the room that probably, you know, I was the only person in the room that actually had a career. Um, Everybody else was in their early or mid-20s. And I was the worst programmer in the class, right? The, the teacher hated me. They, they just thought I was a moron, right? And 
And so, but for me, I took the course. Um, I didn't take the course so I could become a programmer and, you know, build this myself. I did it because I felt if I spent three months in the room with people, I could get a good sense of how this works, at least the foundation. I could have a better sense of the questions I need to ask. I could have a better sense of how do I work and build relationships with people who are doing this kind of work. And if I'm lucky, I might be able to, you know, snag the top one or two programmers in the course, which is exactly what happened. So two people, uh. the, sort of, I'd say the two of the three or four best engineers, aspiring engineers in the program actually joined me after we ended. And so that was my way to kind of enter and figure it out and build something with my own, like, you know, the little bit of capital that I said I was going to carve out for this project back then that, you know, I was going to. I was going to work with this small sort of team and build from there. And I think it's really challenging in the beginning. You know, nobody knows who you are. Your friends kind of laugh at you. People in the industry are like, what are you doing? Right. This doesn't make any sense. Uh, you start to realize that like, oops, um, I didn't realize that I had an immigration pass, that I'm not just like allowed to stay in this country and kind of hang out and do whatever I want, but I need to like sort that part out. Right. And so there's just a lot of little things like that that you don't, at least for my, in my case, I didn't really think about. Um, financing, of course. Um, and in the beginning, you know, your product really sucks in a way. Like it's, it takes time to build a great product, to get people on board, to build something that then where people actually keep coming back. And one of the biggest challenges about launching a user-generated content platform is when you're new you don't offer any utility to people. You don't offer any entertainment value or social connections mm -hmm. or, you know, even just the content is not there, right? Somebody logs in and you're saying, hey, come join this new platform to help you find vegan food. And then you go on there and you're in, you know, you're in Minnesota and there's no options. You're like, this is weird. I thought this thing was supposed to help me find vegan food. I know there's vegan food in Minnesota. This thing sucks. So... <laughs> that just you know working through that and all of those were big challenges hiring a team I'd say probably one of the biggest ones how did you work through that with the user like did you kind of literally have to kind of just reach out to people in as many places as possible saying can you please post something just to kind of get it going or did it just kind of go organically as you started to as the name and the brand started to get out there it has been it has been organic um you know and and I can tell you like spending money on advertising is actually what I've learned is that's actually worse. That's probably, uh, probably close to amongst the worst things that you can do really early in the beginning because your product isn't there. So when you advertise and you say, this is the best app for aspiring vegans or like come use this to like help you find things in the world. And people actually are like, oh, cool, I want that. Like, that's interesting. That'll be helpful for me. And then they download it and it's it's useless. That doesn't really leave a great experience, right? Like that turns people off for a long time. And, you know, that just takes, that, that, take, that, 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 that takes a moment to sort of figure out. Uh, and hopefully you figure that out quickly. So for us, what was really important was how do we build a really passionate community of early adopters, of people who... Mm actually show up and understand where we are in our journey and come and help us build it right and you in order to make that a success you you need you need to start off with 10 people and i think the thing that i love about a billion um is you know this is this is the the sticker that's on the back of my phone it's it's 10 to the ninth and that's a billion 10 to the ninth is a billion but it all it's all about that 10 
right? Is it starts somewhere really small and then that community can scale to something bigger and bigger that starts to really create impact. So it was really that small in the beginning. And it was just a handful of people sitting in Canada and the US and then that grew and grew and grew and grew. And, you know, and, and ultimately it's about, okay, well, these people are coming back. What can you offer them? What can you build? And that was a big part of big component of sort of our, of our giving program, which was, Hey, instead of, instead of this money that we would maybe spend on marketing, right? How do we actually create impact with it? And if we can do that, maybe there's a chance people will sign up and get really excited about that and help us actually build this in a constructive way. So, you know, I'm really, I'm really pleased to say that, Hey, we've, we've, as an organization, we've, we've raised more than $7 million since we started the company and we've spent less than 5% of that on marketing. So. Wow. so that leads me nicely into my question about funding. So I think initially you mentioned you put some initial capital in yourself and then um, you you branched out and um, you've got seed funding. I believe you're, we were talking before, you're about to do some Series A funding. So how have you gone about getting investors to fund a social impact business, particularly because like you just said, um, you know, oh, you know, instead of using the money on marketing, we're actually going to give it to these causes and you know even for investors like even impact investors I mean I know I'm connected with a lot of vegan investors impact investors they still majority of them still want some kind of ROI on their investment Um, so I'm curious how how have you managed to get the seven million to date Um, talk us a little bit about through that sure so you know in the beginning it was for the first year I really I really wanted to just you know, head down, focus on trying to build something and, and getting a product out there where I felt confident enough in the idea and the very early on product market fit that I felt like, okay, this was actually solving a need for some people um, before we went out and raised any capital. So the first year we didn't raise any money. We didn't even try, just kept our heads down and spent as little capital as possible and just worked, right? And uh, so then in sort of the second year in towards the end of 2018, we went out and raised an angel round. 2019, we raised a seed round and we've been raising capital since we're on our, we're now doing our series A. Um, and, you know, it's just been for, for me, I'd say the biggest thing with investors is I was just having this conversation with somebody last night, right. Is philosophically, how do we think about philanthropy and charity versus, you know, generating an ROI. And for me, I very much believe we're going to build the most, one of the most valuable companies in our space, but we're going to do it in a way that really benefits the planet, right? And I think that it's something that with technology and with platforms where you're amassing people, you can, if you want to, have meaningful societal impact. I think this is where you know, the, the Facebooks and the Twitters of the world have kind of stopped. They've drawn the line and said, hey, we're just a connector of people. But I actually, one of the reasons we started this business in 2017 was in the aftermath or the wake of the U.S. presidential election in 2016, where we saw there was so much misinformation being spread online through a lot of the social platforms. And I really felt like, wow, like these platforms that were such amazing connectors of people kind of drew the line at being socially responsible. Um, And so that's where I really wanted to step in and fill that gap in creating a new kind of social network, a new kind of social media platform, one 
that in a way I'd say that, hey, we can build a very valuable business doing a lot of the things that these kinds of platforms do. So whether that's advertising or marketplace, right? That there was this whole new economy buzzing that was gonna create opportunities for us to do things like that. But what if we built a social network for the planet, right? And that was kind of the idea is, what if we did take a crack at it from a social value perspective? And what if we did, what if we were very bold and very direct about our mission and what this platform means and the success of this platform means? And then alongside that, can we build a really powerful business? So for me, you know, and I've kind of, I guess I've gotten to be old enough now. I turned 40 this year. Um, oh, so I've gotten old enough. To, I've gotten, <laughs> well, yeah, I've gotten old enough to think about sort of what I want, you know, the next 20, 30 years of my life to look like. Um, so for, for, for me, what I want that to look like is really this company and building this company, not just for myself and our team, but for the tens of thousands of people that want to become entrepreneurs in our space right? The tens of thousands of people that will go on to start small businesses and have dreams of one day scaling those businesses into big, 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 big businesses. How do we help them? The, there, it's, it's so challenging to compete in this market. You know, if you're, if you're a new brand or new entry into the market to actually build a social media profile in order to actually, in order to actually drive sales to your business, to list on a marketplace on one of the large incumbent plat marketplace platforms and actually have any chance of success because the big companies of the world are spending so much money advertising on those marketplaces, whether it's Amazon and advertising on Amazon to win business or it's Instagram and advertising on Instagram, that the, the barriers to entry are so high. So we felt like, hey, if we can bring a group of people together around the world, who love and are and love this lifestyle, either love this lifestyle and are already deeply entrenched in it, or it's this next generation and wave of people who are curious, right, about being more vegan or being more plant-based or just, hey, simply reducing our meat consumption, and we provide a really great experience to them, those people then can provide the support for this huge generation of businesses. And so we can create that marketplace. We can create a marketplace for small businesses and for startups around the world. We can, you know, we can we can help in a way grow this market by providing access to people who have ideas, um, people who are creating products, having a marketplace for that. Eventually, having a platform where those businesses are advertising on our platform. And so, many th this is sort of how we've kind of designed the platform to to grow and scale over the next few years. I love that. And it's interesting because you, you've created, like you said, a business. This is not a not-for-profit. You've gone the business route. I'm just curious. So you've got the investors involved. And I noticed some of the, obviously, you know, mission-driven investors um, that have, you know, seen your vision. But how does it actually make money? Like, because you're giving a lot of money away to all these causes. How are you, how will you make it, like, sustainable, financially sustainable in terms of obviously paying you, your team, the costs involved in running the platform? Um, because obviously investors haven't necessarily, you know, they, even they might be funneling money in, it's it still needs to kind of, as a business, I guess, make a profit of some kind. So how, how does it or will it, will it be financially sustainable? Yeah, That's absolutely. So absolutely. And, you know, so it's a sequence, it's sort of a sequence of when this, this fancy word that we have for how do you make money, which is monetization, right? Yeah, yeah. And how do you just, how do you just generate revenue? And then hopefully one day you're, you know, you're the, the, the revenue that's coming in and the cost of your business that's going out 
um, those things start to then align and your revenue, you know, grows past that. And, you know, you actually have net income and profit, right? So for us, it's very important um, to build a scalable business and a sustainable business isn't just about sustainability, but it's, it's about the financial sustainability of that business, right? Any great business idea, it's only going to make sense for the world and create impact if it's, if it's actually profitable. So for us, that's obviously a, a massive part of this. And I think that's where a lot of my background comes in. I've been investing in companies for 20 years, building companies for investment banks and for hedge funds and pension funds and, 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 and raising capital for 20 years. So for me, it's really, it's a sequence of events, right? And it starts with um, what we're doing today, what we're actually launching in just a couple of weeks. Um, we have today, if you look at if you look at the number of businesses globally that are already on our platform, we have 52,000 restaurants globally on our platform. We have close to 50,000 consumer products companies. So if I asked you like, hey, tell me, give me the names of, you know, a couple of, of plant-based meat products that you love or plant-based meat brands that you, you know, you and your family like, you might be able to name a few, right? I mean, given in your seat, at Katrina, you can probably name I don't know, maybe two, <laughs> yeah. two or three dozen, right? Companies, yeah. uh, you know the space better than anyone. But what's really interesting, if you look at just the category of plant-based meat, today there's more than a thousand brands globally. There's more than twelve thousand plant-based meat products just on a billion that have been reviewed from people around the world. So you know, when you look at companies. When you look at a product like the Impossible Burger, that's one of 12,000 plant-based meat products globally that's succeeding. And what we know about this market is, well, of course, the brands in the U.S. that are coming out of the U.S. get the lion's share of sort of the publicity and sort of, you know, the sort of our mind share. There's amazing brands that are coming up all around the world. Jeff Bezos invested in a plant-based milk company in Chile a few years ago called Notco, which is you know, now kind of blowing up around the world. So the amazing things are happening in this space. Um, and for us, you know, again, it's a way for uh, how do we take these 100,000 businesses that are on our platform and provide valuable tools for them to be able to engage the users that we have on our platform. So whether it's a consumer products company that's selling direct to consumer, they can put in their product purchase links, they can keep 100% of their sale, but they can put in their product purchase links, they can really enhance their brand page and product pages on our platform. But how and do you make the money cost. though? That comes at a cost, of course, oh, okay, right? right? So, so they pay. of course, like, you know, we build these sort of value-added services in terms of letting a business, let's say, take control of their listing, add a product purchase link, even advertise into the platform so people see their content. But that, of course, just like any other platform, then comes at a cost. We also actually right. support small businesses. So for a single product, brand, they can do pretty much everything. All of those things that I just mentioned, they can do for free. But when you get to being sort of a bigger brand where you have two products, three products, right? That's where we start to charge money okay. for that. Then you layer on sort of the kind of marketplace that we're building and planning on launching next year, which is peer to peer and direct to consumer. So if you look back at, you know, 15 years ago when Etsy was first created, Etsy was created as a marketplace for all things handcrafted right? We think that the world needs a marketplace for all things sustainable and vegan. And so we're working on building that that's going to look like something that's not only direct to consumer where brands can sell to people, but also where people can exchange or sell amongst each other. So very peer to peer 
as well. And that's going to be launching in, in, in the first half of next year. And so that's different to say a regular kind of online, you know, like there's online vegan shopping um, platforms, but it's different. Yeah, you're not going to see, you're probably not going to see grocery store products and where, you know, it's, it's, you're not going to see a platform like Amazon Fresh or, you know, even Amazon where you're going to be necessarily buying, you know, soaps from Unilever and, and things like that. It's really going to be about how do you, how do we help this next generation of entrepreneurs or smallpreneurs or even just home businesses succeed? There's hundreds of thousands of them around the world, right? And we see this when we go to festivals. We go to vegan festivals and we see all of these sellers, right? And it's this group of people, small oh, business owners, okay. that we think we can provide a really valuable service in terms of helping them plug into a global audience. Oh, gotcha. So you're more focused on them than, say, some of the bigger brands like Beyond and Impossible. Cool. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Well, I think a lot of our viewers and listeners are going to be quite excited about this. So um, obviously, yeah, get in touch with uh, Vikas about that. So we touched a little bit on the marketing. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about, because I know you mentioned, you know, and that was such a good tip, by the way, about not advertising, like not necessarily doing paid advertising right at the beginning before you've even got your product created. But once you had like you've been spending all this time you know working on it what would you say have been the key marketing strategies because you know it's almost like sometimes everybody's got an app kind of thing and like you say particularly sure. on own in that space it's sure. like oh somebody else with an app you don't know whether it's going to be successful or not blah, blah blah so how what would you say have been the marketing strategies that you've used and you currently use that have been most successful to promote the billion yeah so first of all it's a matter of uh, like what need what you what user need or you know are we serving out there in the world in the community i think that the uh i had a conversation with an investor recently um uh and you know a very humbling statistic at least in in sort of our space which is there's something like globally like 10,000 apps that have more than a million downloads right mm -hmm. so people are downloading apps all the time um, you know, and you've probably got 50 on your phone right now that you still haven't really used very much. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's, that can be in a way a vicious death spiral if you are just interested in getting people to download. So just being smart about things, right? Which is, hey, in the beginning, and we're a user-generated content platform. So even before getting people on board who are going to be passive members or, you know, people who are engaged with that content, it's important to get that content. So our strategy in the beginning really was how do we how do we bring people on board who are actually going to devote their times to helping us help us helping us build that. And so for that, to try to find those people through marketing initiatives or digital advertising or you know things like that, uh, EDMs and whatnot didn't really feel very effective. What what ended up f being very very effective was actually connecting with the communities of people that were truly passionate. And so that's where a lot of our work with the nonprofits comes in, right? By we actually, instead of reaching out to or spending money on advertising, we started reaching out to founders of, of sanctuaries, of farm animal sanctuaries and saying, hey, look, guys, we're building this. This is something that, you know, is going to be very effective um, in solving our shared mission, right? Can you help us? Um, and so of course, you know, look, I mean, the, the reality even with that is that you probably get turned down nine out of 10 times, uh, especially in the beginning where people are like, you know, yeah, then thanks. It sounds like a great idea, but I don't really understand. And I don't have time for this. Right. 
but occasionally you find somebody. And in our case, it was, um, it was an amazing woman who runs a farm sanctuary in, in, um, in Hawaii. Her name is Laura Lee Blanchard. Um, and her, her, the name of her sanctuary is Lilani. So she, you know, she took a chance on us a couple of years ago and said, Hey, yeah, I like this. Let me, I'll send this out to my people and my volunteers. And, you know, so we, we got our first few posts from Hawaii. And so we really, in the beginning, it was just, and this is before we even had any money, you know, money to donate or anything like that. And it was just that it was reaching out to other grassroots organizations and asking for help, trying to have those conversations, trying to just in a way sort of create bonds between, you know, people, like-minded people around the planet and leveraging in a way, leveraging the, the communities that they had already sort of built. And what about now? Is it like, do you use like pay, like do you pay influencers? Like do you use influencer marketing or social? Like what, what are you currently using now? to? Continue? We have, we, yeah, great question, uh, Katrina. So we have an ambassador program, like a lot of other companies. And we work with people who are really, you know, sort of in a way aligned or wedded to the cause. They can apply to be part of our ambassador program. And then we vet them and make sure from a values perspective that there's complete alignment. Um, and then what we have actually set up is a way to compensate them um, when they actually are able to get people on board who then generate those donations. So for us, again, it, it all comes like an back affiliate down to program. Yeah, but it all comes back down to the impact. So we're not, you know, for, for us, we've gotten pretty good at now the messaging and the marketing in a way of, of our platform where we know that, you know, for the next 25,000 people or 50,000 people or 100,000 people, we can get them on board, right? If we build a really good sort of quality user experience, that flywheel of, and that onboarding and activation and sort of that aha moment that we sort of in, in sort of app tech jargon, right, is it, we've gotten better and better at, you know, that first initial user experience making sense for people. But we want to really, again, we want to be aligned in terms of if we're, you know, where we're spending money that we're getting the right kinds of people on board who are really going to help us kind of further this and and build that. So yeah, we have an ambassador program. We do, of course, spend a little bit of money on advertising. Last year, we even did our first print uh, print ads in a in a few wellness magazines like Mantra uh, in the U.S. And uh, you know, so we're always we're experimenting, which is what we need to be doing at this stage. Absolutely. Just out of curiosity, how did that go? Print ads. It's hard to say, right? You, yeah, with our very, ads, very... exactly. It is hard with our ads. Well, I was curious because people yeah. generally opt for. It was interesting you said print because people often will opt for online simply because you can measure the ROI a lot better. But yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so you know, it's 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 you learn, right? It's a very tempting to do things, and so you know, it's it's tempting, and you might try it once or twice, and and then you know, see, and you have to quickly pivot and try to understand like, is this make sense for your business or creating any sort of buzz um, online? The funny thing is even with print, then you're like, okay, is this creating any buzz for us? Or have we seen any, but any, you know, photos of our print ads floating around? Cause our print ads were pretty interesting and fun, sort of provocative and fun. Um, and kind of, you know, you, you do the math there. Um, yeah. And um, you know, there's a lot of things that you're, we're doing now in terms of strategy that probably the reward and payoff will be much further down the line. And one of the ways that we've ultimately found that works really effectively is when brands start to get involved. So 
all of our content that lives in the app also lives on through our website, which means that when we get a certain number of, let's say, reviews or posts about a consumer products company, let's call it, let's say it's Beyond Meat or Myoko's or, you know, any of the hundred or 200 other companies, you know, in that space, in that category, um, once we start to get a certain number of reviews, we start to get, you know, search engines like Google indexing our pages and ranking us. So if somebody's Googling vegan chocolate or, you know, vegan ice cream, often our brand pages and our sort of, you know, our content pages will now start indexing or showing up on page one of Google search. And so in a way, that's also a really great way for us to, in a way, have people discover us if somebody's casually searching or even with intense searching, you know, in a category or for a brand, they start to see information that a brand's customers have posted about them online on our platform. They see that through search engines online. And that's also a great way to just create that hook. So every month we have people visiting and then on our on our website and many of those people then end up going on to sign up for the app. Yeah, nice. I love it. So just to wrap up, um, because this has been brilliant, um, obviously, you've got a lot of data that you've collected, you know, with the amount of um, user generated content else on the restaurant side. Um, so just to sum up just briefly, what, what, according to your data, what are the key trends in terms of the plant based foods market, both now and any predictions you'd like to throw out? Yeah, so look, the scale at which at which it's growing is just insane. Right. So uh, we have today we have 200,000 sustainable ve- or, you know, and vegan products across food, fashion and, and beauty or wellness that users have talked about that our users are, are, are users have reviewed um, 200,000 products across about 45,000 brands globally. So just that sheer number of brands is, is amazing. What we've seen is is we've seen explosive growth in Spanish speaking markets. So you know, it wouldn't it, it it's it's amazing that to think that one of the first places in the world where you know back back when when that was a really big number for us, twenty five thousand members, but we hit the first city where we hit twenty five thousand users was Buenos Aires, Argentina, which is probably one of the meatiest places yeah. in the world. And it was a lot of meat eaters who are signing up there who are looking for, you know, who are looking to get plugged into this and say, consciously make that choice of, you know, becoming, I don't know if they call themselves flexitarian yet, but trying to make that choice of reducing their meat consumption and they're just starved for choice. They don't know where to go, right? Because they're so used to eating what they eat. So this growth is happening all around the world. It's happening in Spanish speaking markets, Spain, Mexico, Argentina, Chile, are some of our best performing markets globally. We see a lot of content creators signing up in those markets. So that's one is that this that this this industry and this trend is global. And you could really in a way set up a business anywhere in the world. The only place where we're really not we're sort of where where as a continent we haven't really, you know, it started to sort of explode is Africa, but South Africa is also one of the markets globally where we've seen a, a lot of traction and we've seen like sort of the equivalent of Trader Joe's or Whole Foods in South Africa, which is Woolworths. We, there's more than a thousand vegan products at, you know, at this one sort of Trader Joe's of South Africa. So even in that, in a market like that, you're starting to see consumer products companies 
really take notice of this trend of towards healthy eating and more sustainable lifestyle and really started tackling that. And so we're looking ex- very excited about the opportunity in Africa as well. Um, I think with plant-based meat, it's very interesting. There, like I mentioned, there's 12,000 products on our platform. Um, and it's been amazing to see the growth in that industry around the world, the use cases, the kinds of products that are growing out in every single sort of category, whether that's chicken or that's fish, um, you know, and, and obviously beef is a big one. Um, the kind of versatility of these products. Um, cheese is another one. Um, and I think that, you know, going forward, the best plant-based cheeses based on our data might not even be coming out of the U.S., but they might be coming out of Spanish markets. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing the engagement on plant-based cheese and in markets like Mexico and Argentina just go through the roof. Uh, and that's a very, very exciting trend. Um, and just overall, you know, just this sort of rising trend of people who aren't ready to call themselves vegan. They're not ready to give up meat, um, but they're not also interested in calling themselves meat eaters anymore. Mm. Like I'm, it's not, you know, they wouldn't dare be caught calling themselves omnivores or carnivores. So they're calling <laughs> themselves flexitarian. And I don't know, I hope, I hope we as a society maybe come up with a, a, a better term than flexitarian. Um, but that's, that's all we've got right now. And so let's, you know, let's go with it. And it's been amazing, even in a country like Singapore, which historically, you know, has a very heavy sort of meat tradition in its food. We have seen a massive spike in people on our platform identifying as flexitarian in just the last two years. And of course, restaurants are responding. So when we first started, one of the very interesting things that we do around impact is not just the giving, but it's also delivering that customer feedback back to businesses. So we programmatically last year, we would have sent 5 million emails back to restaurants and consumer products companies around the world. Every time a review is generated by a person, our objective is to get that review back in the hands of a business owner. And so what we do is we do a little bit of research up front. We figure out who that is. We plug that into our database and we've built the technology and the templates to then send that information back through email. So, you know, every month we're sending hundreds of thousands of emails to businesses around the world. And what we found in a market like Singapore from doing that, when we first got started at the end of 2017, there were about a thousand vegan dishes on this entire island, which is about the same size as sort of the New York City, the five boroughs of New York City. And what we saw was we've gone from a thousand vegan dishes at, you know, a couple of hundred restaurants to now, thanks to a lot of the work that we have done, getting businesses on board with this, there's nearly 20,000 vegan dishes that have been created in Singapore on a billion by over 4,000 restaurants in Singapore. So that variety has just grown. Restaurant owners are much, much more interested in catering to audiences, whether they're vegans or flexitarians. And we've just seen so many different businesses, restaurant businesses, F&B businesses really begin to embrace this and compete. We do in Singapore, we do a top 50 vegan dish award and 40 this year, 45 out of the 50 restaurants were not vegan restaurants um, that won awards. So amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh my gosh, you're doing such incredible work. I love that it's just so unique. So for people who are watching and listening, you know, the majority of people watching are either vegan or plant-based business owners or, uh, you know, investors. So if you're, if you do run a business and particularly, you know, a smaller business, 
get the A Billion app, visit the abillion.com website, um, get signed up. Because what I love is because if you're the owner of a vegan business, you can also, you can join the platform, I guess, as a user, like, you know, and review other places. And you've got that, the brand perspective. So I do highly encourage people to check that out. If you're watching the video, you can see the website, abillion.com, across the bottom of your screen. And if you're listening to the audio version of this episode, you'll find the link on the show notes page. Vikas, you're amazing. I love what you've created. I love the name. I love the mission. And I love how unique it is. So I look forward to hearing more. But thank you so much for joining me today and sharing some really, really valuable insights. Really appreciate it. It's been it's been such a pleasure, Katrina. And and thank you very much for having me on the show and and uh, and doing this in your morning. Thank you. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. If you like the show, please give it a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on as it helps to get it seen by more people. There are more free resources on the veganbusinessmedia.com website to help you in your quest to build and sustain a successful business. And if you'd like to work with me personally on promoting and growing your vegan business or brand, you'll find details on how to do this on the website at veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the Work With Me menu link. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.